I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Jason Stewart, you're listening to The Stew, it was a food podcast I do with Andre Conoparo, say hello. Hello, I definitely did not eat a lemonade yesterday. So, today. So we don't need to talk about that. Friday afternoon, we just cracked a cold one with our boys, I'm eating Dodgers salted peanuts out of the shell, ate peanuts in a moving car, throwing the shells outside is a fun, good feeling. It's the most fun I've had, it's the most fun new experience in my truck that mm-hmm. i've had in a while it's great mm. i don't know if i can ride without peanuts in the console from now on we need some chewing tobacco next <sighs> or a for gun the li- for the listener no gun um for the listeners at home my truck has no doors and no windows mm-hmm. so you're just kind of inclined to be throwing stuff out of it all the time not trash organic material let's be clear we are not polluters i lost a watch yesterday on it just <laughs> flung right off me <laughs> but more importantly, you did eat at Lemonade yesterday, and walk me through that. Lemonade, it's a restaurant, Ugh. fast casual, it's in so L.A. and gross. probably New York. But I feel like when it first opened years ago, I mean, I've only been a handful of times, and long periods in between. I remember eating there when it first opened, because it was kind of like people were talking about it. It wasn't that bad. It was Correct. Fine. And it was just garbage fire that I had yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It is. It is not good. But they have like ten salads, like different cold salads, like a soba noodle and kimchi gochujang noodle, and then they have like a shaved Brussels sprout Parmesan salad. Mm-hmm. So you can get just the salads, and they have. It, like, it sounds good on paper. Sounds great on paper. It even kind of looks okay in person. <laughs> um, and then they have like some braised dishes and some grilled dishes, like protein. So they divide things into like salads and proteins. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have a lot of time before a movie, and I didn't want to like. I didn't want to eat just like pretzels. Those are the Americana. I didn't want to get like Wetzel's pretzels or something. Right. You did, and you didn't have time. And even if you did have time, you wouldn't want to like go to Cheesecake Factory. No. So. If, if you, you would like to go Din Dai Fung if you had the oh chance. Oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. Or Sujitsa. Mm-hmm. But. So the call was made like, oh, just go get like a quick salad and then go to the movies. Cause mm-hmm. It's like 20, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. I was just, it's just like... What did we order? How, how, how great was it? It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. But it's like you can get four salads, and it's a lot of food for like $11. Mm-hmm. And it's like organic. There was like a arugula and blue cheese with apple salad and a mm-hmm. vinaigrette. I mean, like, it wasn't that bad. It's just kind of like... Chug it down a little bit. I just... what? It's not like Subway bad. But you no. look at it and you're like, this doesn't have to be this bad because it doesn't take a ton more effort for this to be better. Like, I'm looking at a bunch of greens with dressing and some ingredients on it, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about like, oh, you need to source like way more expensive beef and you need to have, you need to pay a butcher more to trim it better and you need to do this too. Like, it's not complicated. It's not like it's not out of their purview to be able to make mm-hmm. it better. I, Without, I feel like that really comes down to their training and their staffing. Yeah, right? for sure. And they have like, you know, there's like 20 of them now as opposed to one like six years mm-hmm. ago or something. So 
they're obviously you know you don't expand like that and have any kind of quality control it's like like that um local local restaurant you know i'm sure when those guys were designing the menu they did a very specific job of making it perfect and then just some random dude just makes it and doesn't really care that much and it doesn't taste that good no and then they like close down they just closed the location in oakland They'd close that one, huh? I think they couldn't recover from that review that was written about them. Yeah. But it's also in a really weird spot. I walked by it. I didn't eat at it, but I walked by that one in Oakland, and mm-hmm. it's in a nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I thought a lot of the concept was to be in a slightly lower socioeconomic neighborhood, Yeah. give them cheap, affordable, organic food that's also skewed towards, you know, like it's not raw kale it's burgers but it done well sourced well mm-hmm. and paying employees well and to see it in an expensive neighborhood in oakland i was just like well that concept doesn't make sense to me but mm-hmm. um maybe they know better i mean of course they know better than me they're doing it well they also had to close that location i think they're gonna move to a different part of town also found out my mechanic shout outs david long automotive takes care of me real well boyhood best friends with roy Choi. Mm. Kogi truck comes out for Frizzle to the birthday parties. Oh, wow. The Boy Scout graduation. Hey, can you send the truck? Yeah, of course I can send Damn. the truck. Yeah. He's got the Choi plug. Yeah. For, is he Korean? What is he? I'm not sure. His dad, he might be. I can't tell. Mm. His last name is Sansuk, which makes me think it's quite possible. Sansuk? Yeah, but he looks, cool he, he looks, uh, not look Korean. Okay, well, listeners, if you know this guy, just oh, also if you have a truck, tickets to Long Automotive and Silver Lake because this guy is taking care of me so well. Okay, shout okay. out. But we were just talking, and he said something like, "Have you ever heard of Kogi?" I was like, "Yeah, like Roy Choi." He's like, "Oh, you know Roy?" I was like, "No, not at all. Don't know Roy at all. <laughs> Eating in all his restaurants, but no, but a big vet, very big fan." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's my buddy." I was like, "Sick, very nice." Yeah. Oh, salt of the earth. Yeah, never mind. Hmm? I'll tell you later. Yeah, tell me that one off pod. Mm. I was just in Palm Springs last weekend DJing, and the person who, it was like at a rental house, and the house that I was in had all these old, crazy old cookbooks. And I I did, I I snuck snuck an old magazine out on my own. (laughs) Bad boy. (laughs) It was just a mag. It was like one of those things where you go to the garage and there's just like a it bunch was, of... It was the Marilyn Monroe Playboy from like 1963. <laughs> no. You had to break glass to get to the magazine. You're like, it's just a magazine. You know when you go to some like rich person's house and like they have... There's like that room. They have a room in between the kitchen and the garage. Where there's 22,000 National Geographics in boxes. Yeah, there's that. And then there's like a, a different fridge that they use sometimes. And then mm-hmm. there's just like bunch of old like bowls and plates that they haven't used since 1993 that's uh, to me that's baller status when you have the the beverage fridge in like the four car garage oh yeah that's that's how you know you're flexing or an, or a wine fridge as well right wine fridge for sure but when you see like the nice like the night like a nicer fridge than you have in your home mm-hmm. in their garage and it just holds sodas and beer and wine you're just like dang they got yeah it's usually one of those old sub zeros yeah it's like the sub z but with like the wood paneling out in the garage mm-hmm. it's it's drawing more electricity than a tesla but you still keep it on board my fi- like one of my big features 
cosmetic features in my fantasy kitchen is a fridge you can't tell is a fridge that's like paneled wood the same with like your cabinetry you like that or you don't like that? i like that a oh lot. you love that yeah i love that you idea. love a flush fridge fit yeah interesting and finish so you want it, you want it to be completely camo yeah. Like a chameleon. Not like in a trick way where it's like a hidden door. Right. But in a way where like if you just looked in there, you're like, oh, where's the fridge? But it just looks all cool when you pull it out. And, it's all and then the guy who lives there is like, <laughs> got it. <laughs> yep, that's one. So but, okay, so the rich person's got the garage with random stuff in it. They have, Yeah, and then they had a, a mint condition gourmet mag from 85. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. And the... The the world of food media back in 1985 is so much different than it is now. Just just sure. just poking around a gourmet mag, like it really like you know, foodie culture gets a bad rap nowadays for how dorky it is and how blah blah everything it is. Sure, but I feel like back then we f- we forget about how pretentious and annoying and just kind of shitty it was back then in its own special way. Well, I think also, you know, food and wine magazines like that in that era were almost travel magazines to an extent, too, where it's like... Yeah, they weren't really food-based. Like, it was more like a, your luxury lifestyle magazine. Kind very of much so. Especially this, especially a gourmet mag versus uh, Better Homes and Gardens. Yeah. There's more Rolex It's for the people ads. that have been to Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like somehow that's a thing. In, in '85, it's like if you've been to Europe, and they're like, "What? No, Europe. who goes to Europe? I'm not an ambassador." <laughs> uh, there was, there was, there were no recipes in it. It was just oh, really? Cigarette ads? Hell yeah! Luxury car? Like there was Maserati, right? Alfa Romeo, yeah. all the all. There the, weren't any recipes. There was like. They're like just the the recipes were an afterthought. They were they didn't even sure. come with a photo or a drawing. Right. It would just be like, here's how I make coleslaw. It's like eh, whatever. But then here's a Rolex ad, and yeah. and here's this Benson and Hedges, and and every high end alcohol, every cigarette, every luxury car, every watch company. Fascinating. It was very interesting. Why didn't you bring it over? Mm, it's not coming out of the Lucite case, baby. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me. That thing's worth a fortune. Uh, I'd love to look up, like, we could just get 80 issues from the 80s, like, on eBay for $7. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's not worth any. But it, it, there was a sense of it's elegance. worth it to you, baby. Yeah, it is worth it to me. For the things the that... The value I, is what you make it. Look, if, it's, if something is that meaningful enough for me to steal it from a stranger... You know what's fun big. is going through, and if you find, like, a book section at, like, a... St. Vincent de Paul or like a Goodwill and you find like a cookbook, like a rando cookbook from the 80s, mm-hmm. those can be super interesting too to leave through. I mean, they don't have the ads. They don't have kind of like that part of what you're talking about, but the idea that like a recipe from France is a thing. It's like, oh, this yeah. is from France. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> or was it legal to cook that in the U.S.? <laughs> Oh la la! I mean, wow. I I mean, I don't know if I have the permit to do that. I don't. I'm a little concerned if the neighbors see us. Yeah, there and that was around the time that TV show Great Chefs, mm-hmm. which if you haven't watched that, you should look that up on YouTube. You could watch like whole episodes on YouTube. It's bizarre. They like stream it on Twitch too. There's just like a dedicated channel to just that show on Twitch. Oh, really? I think. Yeah. Oh damn! Maybe I need to take a second look at Twitch. No, you're good. 
No, we're there's, good. There's nothing there for you. Um, uh, the last episode we were talking. Do you remember we were talking about souving egg yolks mm-hmm. in oil versus water? Mm-hmm. So I did some. I did some experimenting, and you can do it in water, and it works. It's the same thing. It's it's it doesn't work quite as well. I, th- I think when when you do it with oil, you're able to. It's able to hold its shape at a lower, runnier temp because of the water transitioning to the cell walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you do it, you if you do it with water, it'll still work, and the the yolk will hold its shape. But you you have to crank up the the degrees a little bit higher, like closer to one fifty than one forty, to have. To have it not break on you, but then what does that do to the texture? The texture is pretty much the same. Like it, it's just like this plasmatic yolk orb. As long as it doesn't break, you're fine. But when you when you cook it in the water, you have to do it at a higher temp, so it, it cooks a little bit more than you might want it to be. You don't get like a soupy, viscous. How do you pull it out? You just you have it. You you pull it out and then. You can use a spoon to carefully get it out. So you can handle it with a spoon at that point. Mm-hmm. But you have to be... With, with the water, you have to be careful because it really wants to break on you. Yeah. But with the oil, it'll work a little bit better. But I, I feel like you'd want to use some kind of device like a pasta cradle or like a... Like a slotted plastic slotted spoon or something? Yeah, that like goes all the way down and hooks to the side. So you actually just like lower it in that mm-hmm. and then bring it out in that well if you do it if you do it at a higher temp and get the yolk cooked a little bit more it's it's pretty resilient at that point like it, you'll you're able to just kind of handle it pretty loosey-goosey what have you been doing with it mm, nothing good yet yeah. I, I cooked one in like a little jar of like soy sauce and and mirin and Rice vinegar, I think, just like add some Japanese flavors, and then did it taste any different? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's like I've had those experiments souving too, where sometimes it really works, and sometimes you're like, yeah, didn't get anything. Didn't that. get anything. And then I had like the only thing I've done is just like get it to a good consistency, and then just like smear it on some toast, which is great. Sounds great. And then I, I with the runnier, loose, loose one, I, I would make like a little bowl of sushi rice and then just pour it on top and mix it all together. And that's kind of nice, too. I trust you. <laughs> Hearing it described. Mm. You don't like mixing egg yolks with white rice? Yeah, but, well, I mean, I'm sure you're doing a bunch of other stuff with it, but just to be like, if I just served a bowl of that, I'd be like... Is this egg yolk mixed with white rice? No, no, no. It was not that. Just a bowl yeah. of that on its own is kind of dark. Yeah, it's kind of Well, like, there's a spot in Little Tokyo called Suhiro, mm-hmm. and they have this okonomi plate where it's like a little combination platter, very, like, rustic home-style Japanese food, a little chicken katsu, some macaroni salad, some, a couple gyoza, and then... Um, a couple gyoza? A couple gyoza... Or like a shumai, wow. and then uh, there'll be a bowl, bowl of white rice, two fried eggs. Why does it gotta be white rice? <clears throat> I guess I mean white rice better for you. And then you get that bowl of rice, you put the two eggs on top, sunny side up, fried eggs, and then you smash it with your chopsticks. Mm-hmm. Get it all in there, drizzle a little soy sauce, and you mix it all together. And that right there is just like so comforting, fun. And it's just egg, rice, and soy sauce. 
That's it, baby. I like it. <laughs> That's one of my favorite pleasures in life. Just smashing up that egg egg with a chopstick. Mm-hmm. Fair. That's right. Um, so, yeah, experiment with that yolk. Experiment with that gourmet magazine. I've been having some meatloaf troubles. Well, but self-inflicted meatloaf troubles because you're striving. <laughs> you're striving for a new paradigm. Yeah. Of binding, uh, how, to, how to really conceptualize binding agents, apparently. Well, I th- what I'm thinking, was, I was trying to make like a pastor-ish style meatloaf with like turkey instead of pork shoulder. Mm-hmm. So I had I had the flav the flavors I would mix in with like normally if you make a meatloaf you've got the ground ground meat people put in ketchup they put in mustard all these other mm-hmm. wet things some eggs some breadcrumbs onions blah 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 Worcestershire that's all pretty common so I took about the same amount of liquid that you would for adding your those condiments in and replaced it with like some chipotle's some Pastor style flavors. There's some pineapple, pineapple juice, or pineapple. Mm-hmm. Yep. Made like a little chipotle pineapple kind of spicy. I put a little bit of ketchup in there to kind of bring the bitterness up. Mix it all together, and I th- and it just the meatloaf would not hold. But you were not use you were refusing to use egg though, right? No, I did use egg and breadcrumbs. So you ended up doing that, and it still didn't kind of come together. Correct. Hmm. And I'm thinking it's the pineapple, maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, isn't pineapple known for having those, like, properties for tenderizing meat? Like, the enzymes? Absolutely. In- like, you can get powdered pineapple enzyme that mm-hmm. is used in, like, meat tenderizers for sure. I'm wondering if the if that is the case. If it's just making the pineapple just fucking that turkey up. Maybe you need to get, like, pineapple gummies. (laughs) Use that as your pineapple pineapple flavor. Well, I think I realized that whatever this idea is, it's not going to work for having the flavor be mixed in with the meat. I'm just going to make a glaze and then paint it on top at the end. Do you think you you got the right temperature? I think so, cause I've I like I really like. I find three fifty to be a little low for meatloaf. I did it. I did it higher than that. I did multiple meatloaf methods, like in the pan, outside of the pan, half and half, pan on, and then removing it halfway, glazing it, lacquering it under the broiler, all that stuff, and like the it the the flavor was good. The outside, just the very outside and the top crust was good and then everything else was just like this soupy blabber mess that did not hold its shape at all. And I think it's just gonna it's just not gonna work that way. And I'm just gonna have to lacquer it up on top. I don't I mean to me you can still use all your dry ingredients like if you're using any kind of dry chili pepper. Yeah. Yeah. But then having like a little bit of a glaze just seems like great. I mean, it doesn't seem like... Well, glaze is the best part of the meatloaf. Sometimes I, do, I go no glaze. What? Sometimes I go naked. You do a naked meatloaf? Mm-hmm. Why? If I'm feeling a little lazy, I just don't... I feel like the... Sometimes the glaze just isn't like... 
This isn't the best part. If you're feeling lazy, what does that mean? Well, it's kind of like, you know, it makes it a little bit messier and then like pan gets a little dirtier and mm-hmm. it's and a, a little of, yummier. Well, I'm not going to argue that it's not good. <laughs> Sometimes I, I don't know why I think it's, it's I'm not, really I'm not, not I'm not hating on it. No, I'm it's really not that much work, but for some reason in my head, it, to me, it's just like, ugh, just, just cook. Because I'm going to put you in a sandwich or going to cook you on a plate and put you on a plate later and I'll have like a little ketchup on the side anyway. So it's like, why do I need this glaze? You talk to your meatloaf like that? Sure. I'm going to put you in the sandwich. Gonna... When you're doing a meatloaf sandwich, do you like a hot meatloaf or a cold meatloaf or both? They're both good. Both equally good. Cold meatloaf sandwich. If you're the kind of person that fucks with that, friend of mine. I, but when I, I do like putting like a little bit of olive oil on it and then throwing it in the toaster oven and then like putting it, you know, like on a sheet like that, like mm-hmm. a wire rack. So like toast from the top, toast from the bottom. That way it doesn't dry out as it, as it can sometimes in a pan. Mm. That seems like it would dry nice, out more. Get real crusty. Now, well, I mean, I think because you're cooking evenly at the same time. I don't know. I've, found, I've just gotten really good results from toasting it instead of baking it. Interesting. So you're, it's higher heat, right? Mm-hmm. So toasting and then the, like, the middle gets kind of like nice and kind of warmed up it gets really crispy interesting hell yeah can you then use that meatloaf as the bread of your sandwich no i'm not a monster because if it gets all toasted like that it doesn't get that toasty i mean it doesn't get like fried chicken would you eat a meatloaf musubi oh god yeah Mm. why not i mean i i take that back it doesn't sound that good (laughs) because meatloaf itself it's like it's this it's not incredibly flavorful if you have to stack it next to two layers of white rice. True that. And texture's so same. But <laughs> I don't know. If you you got, if, you got me thinking. Thank you. That's the whole point, baby. If yeah, and if if you're listening to this and you know why mm. my meatloaf might be a disaster, and if you think pineapple juice could be the real reason, let me know. Um couple other things that I made this week that were kind of interesting. I did um, a pasta dish. There's like this pasta that's at this restaurant in New York. I forgot what it's called, but a lot of people in New York say it's like the best pasta of the year. Like super crazy. But it's um, like little mini raviolis. I don't know what those are called. Do you know what those are called? Mm-mm. Just like little baby pillows. Raviolietes. Raviolitos, but uh, the the pasta dough has like saffron in it, so it's kind of like a darker yellow. Mm-hmm. And then the inside is uh, sheep's ricotta, and the the sauce on the outside is honey butter sun dried tomato. Wow, which sounds interesting. Speaking doesn't it? of the '80s, I know, right? But apparently, all this together. Is just like the best thing of all well, time. Look, none of it sounds that interesting, but if it's the best, that means that it's just done incredibly well. And sometimes, you know, like that's that can be the most enjoyable when you've got really simple ingredients that are done so well. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like if you told me, or if I saw that on a menu, I'd be like, hmm, I don't know, maybe. Right. But if you told me you'd heard it was one of the best and people loved it, I'd be like really excited to try a very simple, nice, mm-hmm. approachable dish like that. I think that, that I always like, or at least 
I mean, I guess I like, we both like everything, but these days I get really excited by the most simple, clear, concise, bright, mm-hmm. like just the lack of, just uh, well. of uh, explanation and ingredients really kind of appeals to me. Okay. Well, I, I the pared down, most simple. I took all of those ingredients, sort of, and did like a pasta out of out of those ingredients. It was disgusting. <laughs> it was not disgusting. I, I it was not. It was it was it was like small dried pasta, like little kind of football shapes. Mm-hmm. And then the sauce. I I had some. Melted so you made them. You made little raviolis. I didn't make raviolis. No. Oh, okay. I just I took all those ingredients and just used like a dry pasta that I already had, which are so easy. Raviolis are so easy. They're like they're just a little bit more complicated than sheet pasta. Mm-hmm. They're not. I mean, then they're really fun to make. But yeah, anyways, they're easy. They're fun to make, and I haven't seen you make them in years. It's been a while. We used to make them all the time, didn't we? We did. <clears throat> they're fun. They are super fun, but. There was it was just dried pasta, but I, the sauce I had melted some butter with some saffron, kind of real slow to infuse that. Cook the the saffron down and get a nice orange color. Made a tea. I did not. I was thinking about. I mean, obviously that's normally what people will do is they'll steep it and and turn that. I should have steeped it in some white wine, but I didn't. I just cooked it down in the butter, and it sort of worked. Idiot. Some garlic. And then sun-dried tomatoes, a little bit of honey, a little bit of white wine. When, so did the honey go in right at the beginning? No, it went, it went in at the end. Yeah. I didn't want it to seize up in the pan. Um, so the honey went in, started around super fast, and then hit it with the wine, and then the pasta went in. And then once everything was all mixed in and incorporated, then... I was like, oh, what am I going to do with this the the ricotta cheese? I didn't want to just like have it in a bowl and then just like do a couple plops on there. So I just I put some in the hot pan and stirred it around, and then it instantly seized up and just like got ruined. And I was like, oh fuck, I just ruined this. And then I added a little bit more, and then some pasta water, and then that brought it completely back to life in one second. Wow! So then it turned into like this. It kind of looks almost it's like somewhere between a ha- like a halfway mac and cheese kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I served it to a couple people and everyone w- w- was just like, "Who are these people that you cooked for?" It was Dan and all of our friends. You were out of town. <laughs> well, you were out of town, anyways. Mm. Fair. And what, uh, what uh, you got? Sun dried tomatoes, just like from Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. Sun-dried tomatoes from Trader Joe's. I I pulled them out of the the oil mm. and then I let them strain in a in a little strainer for ten minutes just to get the residual oil out of it. For you don't want any of that oil? It's good oil. It is good oil. I don't know why I did that. Right. But I did it. But you did it. And then I, I think I think I did that because I wanted to have it be as as dry as possible because I wanted to chop them up into smaller bits so they were kind of peppered evenly throughout the whole thing instead of bigger chunks. Mm. I don't know if that's good or bad. That's just how I always seem to do it. No, I, I was curious. I don't think there's mm. a right way, necessarily. There may be. Who knows? But everyone that ate it was just like, this is weird. And then I was like, this is weird. And and by the end of it, they're like, I really like this. Yeah. 
this is I really like this. It's fun. I don't get it. I don't know why. These flavors are bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. I don't. I'm not. Well, flavors make sense, but kind of. I don't know. Just, I mean, like, when's the last time you made a pasta dish and put honey in it? I've never done that in my entire life, or saffron. Um, I know I've done it before, but also I'm, you know, I mean, it's not the most insane thing in the world, but agave goes into a lot of things that I cook that you don't, that aren't sweet at all. Mm. Um, butternut squash, ravioli, like the, the classic, like I feel like this is a nineties dish, not an eighties dish, but like the nineties dish of butternut squash, ravioli. Oh yeah. Those are always uh, with, in like brown butter with sage. Mm -hmm. There's a sweetness usually to those that are, that is not directly from the butternut squash. There'll be like a little bit, I'm sure there's a little bit of sweetener, whether it's honey or sugar, like to that filling. Is that right? Well, especially, you know the dish I'm especially about. when you get a pumpkin one, I would say. Pumpkin Sometimes or the butternut, butternut can be a lot more sweet. Right. But, but yeah, no, yeah, I know, I know what you're so talking about. in that way, but um, yeah. It, it was interesting. I, I'd like to play around with it some more, maybe. It definitely would be better with the ricotta inside. Perhaps. I also feel like the texture of that dish, like it's a very different thing. Like it's almost two completely different pastas. I know you were inspired to try something with those flavors, not try and mimic the dish. Mm -hmm. But like the difference between, there's no bigger difference in pasta between fresh ravioli and dry pasta. Like those are two very wildly different textures. Very true. And they both absorb things very differently. The dry See. pasta is not going to absorb stuff as much. To the extent that when you're finishing like some nice light fresh raviolis in a pan, mm -hmm. I haven't made fresh pasta in so long. I, I feel like I just gave up on it because it's just not worth it to me anymore. Well, I feel like it's worth it. I stopped doing it. I don't know why. It just ne I can I never I never made fresh pasta where I was. My like, girlfriend can't eat gluten, <laughs> so that'd be one. That's a big one. But also, I've made fresh pasta with you a zillion times, and it's always yeah. like sometimes it's been like a disaster, and sometimes it's been good, but it's never been like, man, that was worth spending all day on this. <laughs> right. Well, the drying thing can be annoying, but the pasta, making the pasta itself and then doing it through the machine, it's kind of like, I don't know, having little doms just a few blocks away that sells pasta by the serving for two dollars that's fresh they make there i just it's really hard to be like what but making ravioli would be that leap of like and mm -hmm. i haven't even considered it so maybe we should do that maybe we should soon. make some little baby saffron raviolis but yeah when i'm like oh i'm just gonna do some like fettuccine or some spaghetti like i'm, I'm like no i'm not gonna do that here i'm gonna walk up the street it's mm -hmm. gonna cost me that much in like just ingredients practically you're not really i mean i don't know flour eggs but it's just like, ugh. Well, $2 a serving for fresh pasta is so cheap. And if I lived walking this into it, I would never, ever, ever. There's no reason I to know. ever do it. But I have, I mean, I, I have the pasta maker attachments for the KitchenAid, which are great. And they make it so easy to roll out Me and too. cut. And Thanks to my mommy. Thanks, Hi, mommy. mommy. <laughs> we both have a KitchenAid. I mean, it couldn't be easier as far as like what we have to make it with. True. But then if you talk to, yeah. And also the flour, you, flour gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. Everywhere. But we need to do it. We should do it. We should take the time and just make some damn fresh pasta. Because even though your girlfriend is gluten-free, which is unfortunate, nothing, nothing gets a woman going like a nice fresh pasta. 
It can be if you're in the mood to. I remember because we did. If go you can through. make a fresh pasta for a gal, yeah, and it turns sure. out nice, like man, turns out nice, like turns out real nice, like put a tie on the door. Um, but if you're in the mood for it, it is fun to do. Oh yeah, it can be. What a if a little flower got on your nose? But, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh brother. <laughs> Whole Foods got bought by Amazon. Yeah, man. I, and I am torn because I go to Whole Foods so much. I live there. Torn and... Wait. So, sorry. I don't know yet. Torn. Like, how can you feel torn in a way that, like, it's obviously very bad. Has, Has to, to be, be bad. bad. I, we don't know yet. It's good and bad. I don't know. Because, I, I like... I just don't see any good coming from this. I mean... I know exactly what you mean. I agree with it. When when the world advances and corporations buy other corporations and grow and get bigger, it's the first instinct is like, this is bad. But it's it's two things that affect my life so much. Like I love Whole Foods. And I you love, love the internet, and I love Amazon. And if I could Amazon Whole Foods to me. I don't know. That's pretty tight. And then I was wondering, like, are my friends at Instacart going to be fucked up from this? But apparently they're going to be okay. How? Well, you're, initially you're like, oh, Instacart, their whole company's over. Right. But I guess they, they signed a five-year contract with Whole Foods, and it's only been one year right. into it. So they still have four so years. They have four years to look for a job. <laughs> yeah, four years to look for a job. Hopefully they're, like... Will be bought by incorporated. Hopefully they'll cetera, get bought out. Sure. But also, apparently, Instacart, even though it seems such a Whole Foods prevalent endeavor, they they said today that, I mean, I guess they were forced to say it, so like the world doesn't just like disown them. That Whole Foods accounts for less than ten percent of their total business. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Which was surprising to hear. I just feel like. The products that I buy, the food products I buy off Amazon. I just buy coconut oil and like protein powder off of Amazon. Yeah. As far as like. I don't know. Edible. I don't do Amazon Fresh. I know people that do and they like it. So maybe that's part of the design. I don't know. To me, it's just. So what are, you, what are your reservations? Well. Is it, do you need my Prime password? Is that, will that make it better? I got a Prime password. <laughs> no, well, I think. Whole Foods kind of exists in a plane where it's about convenience, but it's also about quality of product. And I think if you ride that line, Whole Foods leans towards the side of quality of product because mm-hmm. you make the effort and they charge more. Mm-hmm. And I think Amazon truly lives on the narrowest line and margin of convenience and quality. Where it's like your Amazon shopper buying something, and I don't even know, it's a day to process this, so I'm kind of mm-hmm. talking out loud. But mm-hmm. in that idea that we're all listening, you out will loud. take, you will, Amazon lives on disposable products, right? If you want a nice tool, you probably don't buy it off Amazon, or at least they happen to sell it on Amazon, but like they live on that, like. Chinese manufactured market of knockoff versions. I just bought my dad a Thermapen 
for his birthday. Mm-hmm. Hope he's not listening <laughs> on Saturday because it's not till Tuesday. He's listening. But so ThermoWorks invented like the ThermoPen, and they're the ones that do like the food grade, super incredible, nice. They yep. invented this foreign factor for the pen. Mm-hmm. They're not even sold on Amazon anymore. I bought my original one on Amazon years ago. Oh, really? Because they're so knocked off. There's like 700 exact lookalike Chinese-made thermopens under different names oh, no. that I'm sure they just left Amazon completely, and I had to buy it directly from them at their store. And that's kind of the version that I see happening everywhere. Like the the nicest we see version. fidget spinners to thermopens. Yeah, I mean anything that kind of is important or invented as a tool just gets knocked off, repurposed, renamed, and then resold on Amazon. And mm-hmm. that's in my brain how Amazon works in a big degree. And if you don't and if you aren't hyper aware of what is it, what it is you're exactly looking for, so it's maybe, easy to prey on maybe the elderly or the the less I mean, aware. Yeah, who, there's that. But I think like, oh, this is the one. I mean, the market might demand something different from something like produce, which is you know, has an expiration date. It has a very clear taste. It's kind of like if you have a screwdriver and you're like, nah, screwdriver's good enough. Mm-hmm. Like it's not really nice. It might it's break. In, it might break in two years or something. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Or it might like strip in a few years because it's a shitty quality metal that's used on the the screwdriver head. But something is different in produce where you're tasting it immediately and you're like, oh, this is terrible lettuce. Like, I'm never going to order this lettuce from Amazon again. So maybe market will dictate that in a way that, like, mm-hmm. the kind of disposable products that Amazon sells now is different. And look, there's smarter people than me. Look, there's pretty much everybody's smarter than me. But as far as the reason for doing this and the motivation and the ability to retain customers and, and to grow the business, smarter people think they have the idea and that's why they got bought. So... Maybe I'll be blown away and I'll forget how I ever lived without Amazon groceries <laughs> or Whole Foods, what, I'm, I'm Amazon, whatever. I'm equally blown away as to how Whole Foods has been a company in trouble for the last decade. I find that very easy to believe. But why? Because I think when I go I was in just there, reading today, the CEO, he, he hasn't taken a salary in 10 years. Right. He's also kind of a crazy person, right? Mm-hmm. Did they tell that did they talk about that in the article. Yeah, yeah, he's a wild man. Mm-hmm. I go in there. That's and what I, I want. That's how I want him to be. I mean, I just don't know how they can provide the amount of um, the the amount of product that can expire, like the amount of things that they sell that have a shelf life of. A day or two. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of food waste, and I understand kind of the ecosystem where it's like, you know, whatever is going bad, in the, not going bad, but whatever is about to expire in the butcher shop, and they cook and they use that in the other foods and the burgers and the pizzas and the salad bar right. or whatever, the fresh food bar. But still, eventually, that trickles down into all that stuff not being sold and that's thrown away. And then, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of funky ass hot bar dishes where yeah. you know that this is just made up. And out you of go into the Whole Foods in, turkeys. Go into the Whole Foods in downtown LA and the Whole Foods in Pasadena. And the one in Glendale is kind of big too. You're just like, there's no, I know this is busy, but it should be 50 times busier mm. for the amount of like option and choice. For the amount of high dollar spoilable foods Ugh. on the shelves right now. It's crazy. But 
I, I don't know. That's just always my kind of anecdotal looking at this place being like, oh, my God, you guys have so many different cuts of meat from different animals that are high market items. And most of the time I just see people buying ground beef and chicken breasts. Mm-hmm. Like I've stood there. I mean, the amount of times I've been there and not seen anybody buy oxtail but me <laughs> or buy any other kind of different yeah. dollar cut. It's just like, what? Mm-hmm. Where does all this stuff go? So, you know, and a lot of that stuff doesn't end up on their like their hot bar menu or whatever. Like, you don't see lamb chops sitting. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I yeah. mean, think about all the cuts and things that can't, or at least don't get cooked and Yeah, what if Whole Foods just, their hot bar just like some braised oxtails? That'd be so cool. I know. And then that would make people like, oh, I'm going to try oxtail for the first time in my life. And then you're going to eat the oxtail and be like, damn, that was good. I'm going to buy oxtail now and cook it at home. But oxtail also kind of congeals in, you know, like any of those kind of dishes in a way where it's like there's certain foods that can sit and not look gross. I got to rain on my parade. No, I don't want to rain on your parade, man. I know, but you did. what you're saying is absolutely true. But it's like that stuff needs to sit there and not get gross if it's not being prepared <clears throat> per order going out of the kitchen well hey man those chicken breasts get real good and gross in there too oh everything is good and gross in there too <laughs> but yeah i mean i i don't know I, I i guess whole foods is was more of like my lunch than where i went to shop for food mm-hmm. you know because i go every sunday in the farmer's market and i find that and you do too i think i find that to be a lot more enjoyable and Much. when you need a certain product you go obviously to whole foods mm-hmm. i um, go to whole foods very often for lunch but also you know, you can you can get healthy, affordable things that you can get there that you can't get at other places. Like yes. their bulk area, pretty good. If you just like, I just want to get some rice or some beans. Yeah. Like that's a great place to get some good quality bulk I, stuff. I will say, ninety nine percent of my time at Whole Foods is spent as a meal and not as like a grocery store. Well, maybe you need to take a second look. Or if you like, I'm there all the time. I look all the time. Like buying tuna, like a can of tuna. Like if you go to, like a, you, you don't, you don't want to get just supermarket, whatever, star kiss tuna, and you don't want to go to Erewhon or Lassen's and get a seven dollar line caught thing. But if you go to Whole Foods, you can get like some on sale for two bucks and. It's a more sustainable one. It's a fair point. You're also That's talking nice. about a product that I never purchased. But yes, I see what you're saying in the you're larger picture. you not eating much tuna fish? I don't think I've ever eaten canned tuna fish in my life. Oh, I, I mean, I, I did as a kid and it made me throw up, so I can't eat it. Really? No, I take that back. I've bought like some olive oil poached like Italian like, and tried <laughs> to eat that. And it was fine. But like the effort to it and the rice is like, nah, it's not that great. So you don't like a tuna fish sandwich, huh? It's got to be, it's, it has to have that fishy taste of the sea completely removed out of it, if that's what it is. I don't mind it. I mean, I've had tuna fish sandwiches that I liked. You like a tuna melt more? Well, those get kind of greasy. <laughs> I mean, really, at the end of the day, I just stick with chicken salad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the tuna salad that I want to eat is not healthy. What is it? It's got lots of mayonnaise in it. Hell yeah. So it's kind of like, then it could be chicken, it could be tuna, it could be whatever at that point. If it's just so, just, just dressed up mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, in the point of like, oh, tuna fish sandwich, lean, protein, healthy. Like, that's not what my sandwich looks like when I want to eat that. Got it. That's too bad. 
It's a, such a nice, healthy source of protein. <laughs> I like tuna in general. The fact that you hate tuna is God upsetting to me, but we'll get through it, guys. I will be really sad if I can't get a broiled piece of salmon, or not broiled, grilled piece of salmon out of Whole Foods for $7. If it Bezos cuts your grill privileges off? That will be rough. I did hit that's the... That's real nice. I hit the Whole Foods seafood area on... And it was like... Maybe it was a Friday or when it was one day of the week. Their oysters are a dollar. Oh wow! And I was like, oh, let me get like, you know, let me get like three oysters. I'll munch them while I'm walking around. It'll be a fun little treat. And they gave me they gave they threw in an extra. They gave me four oysters for three dollars. They know who you are there. It comes in a little plastic thing with some crushed ice, a couple lemon wedges. Looked real nice. Uh, ate one, tasted horrible. There you go. <laughs> ate a second one, spit it out and threw it in the garbage. <laughs> it was so bad. Did you not pay for them then? I did pay for them. You did pay for them. A rare. I feel like you would have been fair honesty. to just be like, you know what? Nah, these were unedible. Normally, I would. I mean, but I, I kind of had to pay it forward because the amount of. Free shit I eat at Whole Foods. Yeah. Over the years, I'll, I'll give them three bucks for some god awful oysters. But the, it, it proved an, an, a strong food lesson: is there's certain foods where you you have to eat the excellent version of it only. There's oh. no reason to eat anything but a top level oyster, a top anything in the seafood world. A high performing, motivated, violent. Yeah, oyster is what you need. Mm-hmm. You're eating sea urchin. It has Momentum, to top, top power, mm-hmm. anger. Those That's are the kind of those are the foods that really tickle me. Yeah, you know what I mean. If you're if you're a middling food where you're like like blowfish, you're a real blowfish head. Exactly, I know that about you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I want a food where fugu. There's no middle ground. You just need to have that says fugu me. Yeah, it's either death or delicious. Fugu me. If you <laughs> if you eat a tortilla chip, you're like. Pretty good. If you eat an excellent tortilla chip, you're like, wow, this is a good chip. You eat a bad tortilla chip, you're like, mm, not that good. Yeah. You eat a shitty oyster, oh, oh my dude. God. You could, Three days could pass by and oh you just God. like in bed. Yeah. But on the opposite coin, you eat a sublime oyster and you're like, oh my, oh my God, I, I get it. Well, you have to get it. I guess. I've never had an oyster that was, and I'm just stupid. What about like Saying this out loud, thinking about it. I've never I've had, had some transcendent sea urchin moments in my day. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> Considering like the the risk versus reward, I would say it's so rare to well, yeah. Either way. But sure. <laughs> I guess that's kinda like the whole point is to find that one bite that you remember for the rest of your life. So the risk versus reward conversation is not fair because you're kind of always hunting, but the amount of like Average oysters to not good oysters, mm-hmm. even from like sometimes like farmers markets or like raw bars, places that shouldn't are be kind of more one. often than like oh my god this is incredible. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It's kind of like oh this is yeah it tastes like an oyster it's fine mm-hmm. it's not that good. Like your average there's so many other foods that when they're average like you meant the tortilla chip like there's so many other foods that when they're base or average are better than like any of the true you know but that's that's easy that's fine but also it makes you wonder like if you're like a real oyster aficionado is there is there something that they know that we don't know or like 
you know, the same goes for wine. When, what, what, at what point are you really experiencing things that the layman is not? Well, the only way you're experiencing and anything is it actually is real? By, or is no, it in your head? but the only thing, the only way that happens is quality of product, right? It's like a sommelier is not going to enjoy two buck chuck more than us because they know more about wine. True. But they can appreciate an expensive bottle of wine, or I mean, not expensive, but like a higher end bottle of wine to a degree that maybe, you know, it's kind of like when you have more information about what's going on and how it's made, and appreciation for what it is, you know, the region, Mm -hmm. all those, all those types of things. But there's also kind of a price point or an entry level to a product of that quality. Period. But what I'm saying is, how much of that is actually real feelings, and how much of that is predisposed well that's a whole nother conversation i know because that's a conversation about like psychosomatic tendencies and yeah. relatabilities like half the shit you do i guarantee you is just psychosomatic that you think it's healthy so it feels good or you feel good after doing it and you're talking about me specifically yes yeah, some of like i don't know the oil pulling alcohol like and i could be wrong but i also yeah but when i eat healthy too i know that the that I can't, my body can't be reacting so quickly to something that I ate mm-hmm. and feel better. But if I eat something incredibly healthy and good, I feel better than I usually would as a body reacts to it and breaks it down, right? Yeah. Psychosomatic response. Also, eventually, Maybe. that's healthy, that's good, body's happy. But in the moment that it's happening and all that kind of stuff and the residual effect of like, I did that today, I'm feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how debatable that that correlates to actually what it is as opposed to how you've made mm-hmm. yourself feel. I mean, that's like and, but then that's there, anything. And then there's a whole other conversation of what is, what is psychosomatic? Is it, is it actually, what if, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Well, I think it's a good thing as long as you're not doing something to yourself that's like unhealthy. Sure. I mean, look, feeling good from eating a vegetable might be also an ingrained response <laughs> like your body appreciating it but also something genetically that we've developed because it is literally a good thing to do so mm-hmm. if you can somehow get that reaction even before you process the food yeah your brain's happy you're like i'm eating healthy this is great mm-hmm. you know that might be a built-in response to like this is the appropriate On a cosmic dna level yeah mm. well uh we need to talk about the oil pulling on the next episode, perhaps. <laughs> just te- no, I'm, I know there's a long history of it, too. <laughs> but I just mean there's a lot of stuff that I think in the health food world and all those things that I think mm-hmm. are completely legitimate and, of course, better than eating a burger. But to a certain extent, it can kind of be like, all right, you're, you just respond to it because you've made yourself predisposed to feel good about it before you could actually even physically... Do you think respond I f- to it? I feel like probably the bi- the, the biggest offender of that world might be just like vitamins. Oh my god! Every day that I take a, I take a vitamin <laughs> every day, or I take I, I haven't I, I stopped taking vitamins years ago. I take a plant based daily vitamin, a fish oil, and a vitamin B, a vitamin D pill, and I know they do nothing. <laughs> But I'm just like, I don't know, why not? Like, they're not, they're not, they're sourced well, but it's like, you know, whatever. It's like 85 cents every morning. And I just like, uh-huh. and I'm just, I look at them and I'm like, you do nothing. <laughs> and then I take them and I'm like, I don't know, why not? I do so many other unhealthy things. I might as well just like take the vitamin. Uh-huh. Hey, man. But no, vitamins for sure. We all have our own version of Powdered vitamins. Powdered tinctures, vitamins, all mm-hmm. those kinds of things in there. 
CBD oil. Oh, moose weed? You don't take moose weed every day? Moose weed. Harvested from the pineal gland of the monkfish. Oh, brother. That, oh, I can't man. get out of bed without it. All right, let's talk about microdosing. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow we're going to go check out a 3D food printing laboratory. That's around the corner from Moza. That's going to be fun. It's going to be quite the opposite of Moza. I'm very curious to see how far we can go. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious about everything. How it's made, how it tastes. Yeah, he's like... Better be ranch flavor. What if it's just a soft serve ice cream place? (laughs) Like, that's not a 3D printer. That's a soft serve dairy machine. Look, the cone... He's like, it just comes... Look, I press this and it comes out. It's pretty cool, isn't it? You're a liar, Richard. (laughs) I I drove so far to get here. Um, So now, we, we were both talking before that we don't really have a best thing that we ate all week, but we're... I feel like we're about to eat uh, maybe the best thing that we had all week. You've been suving pig cheeks mm-hmm. for coming on 36 hours. Yeah, it's a little, and a little oil, salt, and five spice. Oil, Chinese salt, five spice. Chinese five spice. That's it. That's it. Well, and then it gets goes in the oven finished and lacquered with kind of like a mirin soy thing. Was Were, were the cheeks... Like, did they have a good amount of fat on them? Mm-hmm. Okay. What yeah, temperature are you at? What's that? What temperature are you suving at? I think 140, 144 or 142. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there. I said it two days ago, so. But I think 144. And then how are you going to serve these guys? Uh, I've got some bok choy that I'm going to... I'm trying to figure out what I want to do to them. I think I might um, steam them. And then drop them in like a hot pan, kind of sear them a little bit on top, split them in half, and then just drizzle, uh, fry some garlic, and then drizzle like the oil and the fried garlic on top, Mm. and a little bit of chili oil. Mm. Um, And then I got some lotus root that is going to braise in goju jang. It's similar stuff, but this one's going to have goju jang and honey and some black sesame seed. And then, I don't know, some kind of rice. I don't know what yet. Maybe just even just white rice. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that sounds. Li- I think that would go very well with just some nice white rice. White rice. Can't wait to see. Are you, and so then you're going to finish it in the oven, crisp it up, crisp up in the oven a little bit. But that's when you start painting on like the glaze. Much like my shitty meatloaf. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a shitty bra- <laughs> a shitty sous vide pork cheek. <laughs> No, I feel like there's something I made this week that was good, but it's nothing like. I made I made up. one thing that was interesting. I made I made um the the further world of cooking with shard. I, I got some shard stems, and I stewed those down with some dried limes, and some tomato paste, and some water, some onions, and garlic, and cooked it down for like four hours. So it was kind of like a chunky ragu. But it was just it was like ninety percent shard stem, like two two tablespoons of tomato paste and some water. So it was like this really thick, rich ragu kind of chunky red sauce, and then I I, I uh, smeared it over some some grits with Ooh. some uh, some shallot lebne on top and some chives. So it was kind of like a weird like. Sour cream and chive, baked potato, grit, Persian, Italian ragu thing. 
Interesting flavor. I think next time I'll mix it with pasta or something. Or maybe smear it on some toast with some lebna. Um, I take it back. I made a dish out of a cookbook um, that was kind of a play on mashed potato. Like, not even a play. Just a different kind of mashed potato where you do Yukon Golds and cauliflower, boil them, mash oh, them together. It broccoli. No, it's cauliflower. Okay. No, maybe it's broccoli. Might have been broccoli. Um, I'm sure it's interchangeable. Both would work. But and then it's kind of you fold in one parmesan, white, one green. lemon, olive oil, salt and pepper, and it's really nice. It's really different, but it has a great texture. Is it like a fifty-fifty tater to veg ratio. I'll have to go back and look at the recipe, but it's close to that. What cookbook was it from? I can't. Is it six? What is it? Six seasons. Yeah, it's over there on the counter, which is a great. I'm a huge fan of this cookbook. Six Seasons, A New Way with Vegetables by Joshua McFadden. Who's the former chef uh, under Dan Barber at... Yeah, he's got yeah on the back of it... At Blue Hill. Alice Waters, Dan Barber, Sean Brock, David Chang. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah. Okay. This looks... It is an amazing looking book. It's not as good as my um, meatloaf mayonnaise spread or my other bad food that I made, but we'll see. But yeah, that was a really simple thing. And what, you know, it's like it really kind of stays in that mashed potato. It's more mashed potato than something not mashed potato in mm-hmm. a way where you're like, oh, okay, this is good. But the broccoli uh, kind of lends like that kind of earthy vegetableness to it in a way that was really nice and texture was great and. And you didn't put it through a ricer? No, no. This like this was hand mashed, kind of coarsely. Mm-hmm. It's that mashed potato that has like little chunks in it. I'm, I'm, I like that actually. Purpose. I like both. Mm-hmm. There's a time and a place for all those mashes. Andre, thank you so much for doing this. Karen, Jill, shout outs, moms. Shout outs, our moms. Thanks for all of our listeners for listening from across the world. There's some people from. Honduras, who are hitting hey, me up? Hey, what up? Internationals, internationally known. Sorry if we're um, if we've done anything bad to you guys. Yeah, super sorry about that. Follow me on social media at them jeans. Andre Conaparo has no social media. I don't. R.I.P. Stewie. You can follow him on Instagram at Stewie Stu Stewart. You can follow my mom on Instagram, kstewart22. Rare shout out. You can wish her a happy birthday. It's next week. Happy birthday. Thesuitpodcast.com is where all the episodes is at. If you go on iTunes, make sure you give us a nice rating interview, and we will see you next week. Thank you. Bye.